Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Philippians 4, 6, 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, good morning, church, and welcome again to Palm Sunday and and to Holy Week. And just to make a clarification, we're not sure what Friday will look like if it's live or not, but there will be a Good Friday service that'll be ready to go at 7 p.m. Friday night, just so you know that. I just want to make sure clarification on that, but, but we're working through that, so we will get there. So hopefully you will join us that, there either way at 7 p.m. Friday night. A little bit behind the scenes here, I just wanted to kind of give you kind of a, a kind of a I don't know, look here a little bit. Last week, just to kind of give you a real quick rundown, uh, first week, you know, I sat. Second week, I stood. And so that was a little better, I think. I'm trying to get used to this uh, almost empty room. But part of the thing that was going on last week was, uh, the reason, one reason I have a water bottle, looks like a milk bottle, got a little liquid IV in there, got up here with me this week, because the, the staff thought that I was getting thirsty. So they were running around behind the camera trying to get me a bottle of water and giving me this sign here that looked like hang loose. I didn't know if I had just lost connection or I was supposed to hang loose and stay. And then all of a sudden I look and Josiah is sliding up underneath my table and dropping off a bottle of water while I'm preaching. So those are the kind of things that are going on as you're watching at home. That's what's going on here. A little picture. I don't know if we have it right now. That's what I'm looking at. Uh, Got the smiley face there on the camera. So that's you. And so just want you to know you look good. And looks like everybody has a smile, not worried about a thing in the world. So that's what's going on here. As an athlete, and I'd, I'd like to consider myself that a lot of things I've done over the years. Basketball is one of them. I love to hike. I used to love to run. And I can't do that as much anymore with the new hip. But one of the things that was apparent about me, and I don't know if everybody's this way, but like in basketball, I, at the first few minutes, maybe even the first half of the first quarter, man, I'm exhausted. It feels like I can't get my wind. And I just feel like, man, I've been in shape, and now I just can't get my wind. And then all of a sudden, somebody gets fouled, whatever, and you go to the free throw line, and you're standing there at the free throw line, and you go, <sighs> Or you hike that first five minutes, and man, you feel like, man, my lungs are about to blow up. And all of a sudden, you go, <sighs> and I hope that's what's going on right now. We've, that first stretch that we've been on right now, it's felt like, man, this is more than I can, uh, almost more than I know how to, to, to handle in some ways. And what I mean by that is that second wind, and all of a sudden, there's this moment you go, <sighs> okay, we're ready for the rest of it. 
And so this last few weeks have been a lot of preparation, a lot of things we're trying to do to get us as a church in a place that makes sense in the culture we're in right now. We've been doing work way before we got here, thank goodness, counting our staff and you guys and, and our mission and vision and values have helped us really lean into this season. So that was great. But one of the things I think sometimes we look at this and we go, well, can we do anything big right now? And honestly, right now, I think it's those small things that become big things. It's those things that yet phone call that you're making. Uh, that's something you can control. That encouragement that you're giving right now, that toilet paper we may be dropping off, or those, uh, you know, th- this week, just listening on the radio, because one of the things we've been saying over and over, be prayerful, watchful, and thankful. And is the unfortunate part of our commander, chief, uh, police commander getting killed this week and praying over he and his family, listening on the radio and just hearing the police officer said, hey, if you could give right now gift cards to, to the police officer who are working many double shifts right now, if you could do that, uh, that would be helpful. So we heard that trying to be watchful. So we took it to, to, to Mountain View Precinct this week and dropped off multiple gift cards for our police officers. And only reason I'm telling you that is we're just trying to be watchful. It's not going to change anybody's world, but it may change somebody there. And it may give them a little hope that there's people out there praying for them. I, I don't know, but we're just trying to add these up because we believe that little things add up to big ripples. And that's what we're trying to do. We're, help, we're sending money to organizations. We're obviously helping people in our community here and in our own church. So I just want you to know that we're looking at that. We are trying to be like you are, I hope, being watchful, prayerful. 24 hours, and many times I've said on a Palm Sunday, what does a week hold? What does 24 hours hold? Well, probably it's never felt any more urgent, then what does it hold to really think about it than the culture we're in right now? From day to day, just going, wow, okay, I've got to adjust to that. And for me, I know as we're moving into Holy Week this today, is this weight uh, of all things, the weight that we're carrying, Holy Week is weighty. It should be weighty. And I would say if most of us are honest about Holy Week, if we really thought it out and kind of played it out, we would rather skip the upper room. We'd rather skip the garden of betrayal. We'd rather skip Via Dolorosa, the way of sorrows. We'd rather skip those things. We'd rather move to Hosanna to Easter. Hosanna in the highest to he is risen. That's where most of us would rather live. So would I. Who doesn't want to miss all the hard stuff? Who doesn't want to just skip around it? But here's the problem. The cross brings us all the way back to the reality is we have to work through the hard stuff. We have to go through our holy week. We have to go through, even in our marriages, if our marriages are going to be healthy, each of us have to go through our, if you will, crucifixion of self-centeredness. The hard stuff for our marriage to be everything it's supposed to be. To be the parent we're supposed to be. But we would rather avoid that. And that's why so many people are stuck. Because they don't want to go through the hard stuff. 
So today I want to read a passage of Scripture, very familiar with, with most of us. It's found in Mark 14, and you can turn there on your, your Bible or your device. Mark, and it'll be on the screen also, but Mark 14, 32 and 42 through, through 42. But, but it's just after the Lord's Supper, just after the foot washing, Jesus had set the example. It's after him recognizing or, 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 or making apparent there's a betrayer in the midst. It's after warning that they will fall away. It's after Peter arguing with him. Now he, Jesus, Peter, James, and John are going to the garden at Gethsemane. And let me read from there. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it is possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he, be, he again found them sleeping because the, their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Have you ever felt like you had the weight of the world on your shoulders? And not only do you feel like you had the weight of the world on your shoulders, but nobody else really understood the weight you were carrying? Well, Jesus experienced this in an, an unbelievable way compared to anything we've ever went through. And he says, in, verse says in verse 34, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, literally meaning deep sadness. I love what Dallas Willard says about the soul. He said, the soul is deep and it's foundational and also in the sense that it lies almost totally beyond conscious awareness. What he's saying is, we almost can't touch our soul. It's, it's there. We know it's foundational, but it's almost below our conscious. And Jesus is aching there. But sorrow in this instance is a pretty weak word to convey what Jesus is experiencing right now. Just simply giving him a Kleenex or say, hey, you'll be better tomorrow wasn't enough. The word that really fits here is anguish. Anguish is what we experience when tragedy hits close to home. Like when we lose a loved one, especially suddenly. And the path and the pain of that sadness seems so intense that we can't imagine ever coming out of it. That's what Jesus was experiencing. I've experienced it. I'm assuming you've experienced it to some degree. 
But how did Jesus respond to that moment of sorrow? He says, yet not as I will, but as you will. That's always the prayer of a consecrated life. Romans 12, 1 says to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. That is our reasonable act of worship. In other words, that's the least we can do for what Christ has done for us. It's to offer ourselves, but it's easier said than done. But I believe once we do that and we consecrate our life and we say to Christ, not my will, but your will be done. When we reach that point, everything else is kind of anticlimactic after that because it begins to take us on a path that changes everything and a consecrated life. Was there a time when your initial enthusiasm in following Christ was dampened by the unanticipated cost of following Christ? Let me ask that again. Was there a time when your initial enthusiasm in following Christ was dampened by the unanticipated cost of following Jesus? Have you had your garden moment? I think everybody has to have garden moments. I don't know that you won't have a hundred, but you will have a few in your life where you have to come to the point saying, yet not my will, but your will be done. All of us have to get there. As I've shared with you before, coming to Christ on December 14th, 1986, the hymn invitation that day that that again, we really don't sing much, but the, the name of it is wherever he leads, I'll go. But one of the lines in there is, take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say. At that point, I had no idea where that would lead me. But I walked the aisle anyway. There have been occasional moments throughout the last 30-something years since I walked that aisle that I'd been such depth of discouragement and despair that I wanted to take it all back. That I wanted to say, Jesus, I'll always believe in you. But I no, long, no longer want to take up my cross and follow you. But I suppose this. None of us want to walk the road of Calvary as much as we say we do. Because here are the three disciples, right? Peter, James, and John. The intimate group, the three, whatever you want to call them. These dudes had seen the transfiguration. But yet here they are. He's talking about his own death. And the reason we know that is because Peter's already argued with him about it. But still, they slept. They knew what he was facing, they thought, but they still slept. You know, Jesus comes back one time and says, Simon. He didn't say Peter, it's the way it's written. He said, Simon. It's kind of like my mom saying, Kurt Sidney. You know, when she used to say, I knew I was in trouble. Or knew I need, better get my attention, you know, needed to, yeah, my middle name's Sidney, just so you know. But when my mom said, Kurt Sidney, you knew that was different. Simon, are you still asleep? 
could you guys not just stay awake just for an hour? I'm sure Peter could have said, right? Hey, just wait just a minute. You're the guy that said, right? And you're the guy that said, I heard you say it, that all would come who are, who are burdened and heavy laden, you will give us rest. What am I doing here, man? So why, why are you getting on to me? I'm resting. But don't you wish you had some spiritual rumble strips? You know, like the ones coming out of big box stores or on the side of the road. When you're getting off just a little bit, there's that. And you kind of go, whoa, 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 I need to wake up. I, I'm, I'm getting a little off here. I need to be aware of where I am. And I need to get myself back on in the right lane, going the right direction. I mean, you may have had people who you counted on at times that you thought were all in. And when things got hard and things got bad, they were nowhere to be found. I'll tell you right now, church, we're, doing, we're, we're going to figure out more ways, but we want to know that you're not in this by yourself. We may not be able to do everything, but we're going to figure out some things to do. Because one of the things, I, I, just, I don't know if I read it or just in my head, solitude is of God, isolation is of the enemy. And we don't want you to be isolated. But solitude and solidarity in what we, God is doing in our lives, we don't want you to be alone. Because we know some of you are hurting bad right now because it seems like everything's been stripped away. Maybe not even an illness at this point, but from financial or just watching the news. We do not want to be found sleeping, though, folks. My kids, when we're grow, they were growing up, one of the things they liked to do, because we were out and about so much with youth trips or whatever it is, the four kids in the Astro van. Yeah, we had an Astro van and a new Savari van, so they were cool. And we would pull up to our house and pull in the garage, and all four of them would act like they were asleep. <laughs> and then, so you'd have to drag them out of the car, get them up to the house, get them up to their bedroom upstairs. Then you find out they were not asleep at all. But they were acting like they were asleep, but they were awake. But then there are times you act like you're awake, but you're asleep. I, I sleep talk sometimes. And so one time I, was, uh, I, I shook Jan real hard, not too long after we mar got married. And I shook her and I said, I said, Jan, someone else is in the room. And she you know, froze and she sat up in bed. She goes, where, where? And I said, I said, someone else is in the room. She goes, where? And I said, it's you, it's you. <laughs> and I just went back to sleep. Actually, I was still asleep. She stayed away for hours. <laughs> Not talking about that either. We're talking about not act, acting like you're awake, but being awake, being watchful, being prayerful, being spiritually alert. 1 Peter 5, 8, you know, it talks about that. Spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. And flesh sometimes is the sin nature, but here I believe it physically. The disciples' battle is like many of us. Anxiety wears us out faster. Those things were wearing out. The, the, the events of the day, you're reading and just going, man, I just want to sleep. 
I don't want to have to deal with it. I just want to sleep. And when we're that way, we're not very watchful. We're not very alert. Years ago, Jan and I were on our way to California, Palm Springs. Palm Sunday, Palm Springs. No, I just, I did not do that intentionally. But we're on our way to Palm Springs for three or four days, and it had been one of those seasons in ministry where we had, it had just been this overwhelming, just no days off, hours upon hours, and good things happening. Our church was doing great, all those kind of things at Crossroads. But we just wanted to get away. And I remember telling Jan before we got to the rest stop going west on I-10, and I said to her, I said, I'm just so thankful that for three or four days, I, I don't have to answer a phone. I don't have to... Uh, lack of a better way, deal with anybody. I just get to be able to be away from this and, and just needed to rest my mind. And that is true. We need, Jesus got away. So I'm not, but maybe at that point, uh, maybe I didn't say it the right way because people, we love people. But sometimes you do need to step away. So we're going along. We pull over the rest stop. I go in the men's bathroom. They had, it's one, I think it's one of those that had two sides, but it was big. And, and so I, I, I go in and and go to the restroom and go over to wash my hands. And I look over on, on the other half of that, uh, that big bathroom. There's a gentleman, probably in his 60s, tr- in a wheelchair. And it looked like he was washing his hands. So I didn't try to, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. But I washed my hands and I was going out. And I heard him say, because I, I knew I was the only one of the best, just me and him. I heard, I heard him say, sir, could you help me? And he said it like three times before I got to the door. And I grabbed that door, and I walked out, and I got in the car, and I heard him. Jan was driving, so fortunately, it's a long parking lot, and we're driving down that, that parking lot, and I said, Jan, and across my mind, flash Matthew 25. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. I said, Jan, you got to turn around. She goes, what, what are you talking about? I said, you got to turn around. She goes, why? I said, I think I left Jesus in the bathroom. <laughs> so she whipped the car around. We came back, and I'm praying the whole time. Lord, do not let anybody else help him. Please give me another chance. Do not let anybody else help him. And I walked in, and there was nobody else there except him, and he was still trying. And what had happened was, come to find out, he had been paralyzed from the waist down. And he was trying to stand up just to put his pants on, but every time he stood up, his pants fell back. Anyway, so all I did was hold his back. That's all he asked. Put my hand on his back so he could, so he could stay up. And he was able to put his, hands, his pants on. And he asked me, he said, he said, sir, I saw you. Why did you come back? I said, well, because I think Jesus told me to. And he goes, oh, my sweet Jesus. My precious, precious Jesus. And we talked. He told me how he got hurt hiking, actually, and got paralyzed. His name was Jesse. Now, I don't know if any of you know the word, the name Jesse in Hebrew means gift. And to me, it was a gift that day and a reminder that, yes, there are times we need to get away and we need solitude. That is of God. But we're always asked to be watchful. We're always asked to be useful and to serve. Today I heard the U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams say, this is going to be the hardest and saddest week of most Americans' lives, 
quite frankly. This is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment, our 9-11 moment. We don't know the answer to all that, and I try to filter through as much as I can, but that's his words. This is Holy Week. And this week, he's saying, is going to be the hardest and saddest. One thing I hope and pray is, is that we as a church are not found sleeping. We as a church are on our face before the Lord, going, heal our land, heal your world. And I just believe, it may not be a coincidence, I don't want to try to read, somebody goes, yeah, I don't want to try to say, but it's this week that he's saying that. A hard week. A reminder week. We would rather skip to maybe April 13th and 14th and skip this week, but this week may be when the church can be the most effective by being watchful and prayerful. Scripture tells us, as we're going to move in time to, to a time of communion, to remember. You know, I, uh, I brought mine, pimentos, it's actually grape juice, <laughs> and my cracker. I hope you'll get yours out as we prepare for this time. See, when we come to the table of celebration, it's always about remembering, because that's Jesus' words to us. But it's more than just remembering that Jesus died for us, which it is, and no question what he did on the cross. But especially in a time like this, is remembering we are the body of Christ, sustained by the Last Supper through the centuries, where the centuries have been simply called the Thanksgiving, the Eucharistia to be grateful, to be thankful. And I love what Max Licato says in his book, Six Hours, One Friday. And I think it may be good for us today as we think through this time of taking of communion. He says, can you still remember? He says, are you in love with him? Paul, when he was writing, he begged, remember Jesus. Before you remember anything else, remember Jesus. If you forget anything, don't forget Jesus. He goes on to say how quickly we forget. So much happens through the years. So many changes within. So many alterations without. So many pressures to conform, and somewhere back there we leave him. We don't turn away from him. We just don't take him with us. Assignments come. Promotions come. Budgets are made. Kids are born. And the Christ, the Christ is forgotten. Friend, has it been a while since you've stared into the heavens and stood in amazement? Has it been a while since you have realized his divinity and your humanity?
I hope that's part of the season you're in right now is realizing his divinity and our humanity. During this season, I've gotten, obviously, Seek God for the City book that I say obviously, maybe not, but I have been each day. And I've also gotten out a book I had years ago, 2011. It's called Ashes to Fire. And it's booked through Lent all the way to, uh, to Pentecost. And yesterday, I was, I was looking ahead a little bit, cheating a little bit for today on Palm Sunday, 2011. I have notes here. I can prove it. I got notes there. But I was writing on Palm Sunday. I was at Christopher Creek Campground. That moment, that morning, as I was doing my devotion, Colton and Jan were with me, and then they went home that afternoon. So I was there that night on the campground. Really, almost nobody else, a Sunday night, no, almost nobody else on the campground. If you know it, there's a place there, a camp, some campsites where you can see the, the, the mountain to the east, this massive mountain, and you got this campground. It's just awesome. If you've never been there, you need to try it when we can go do it again. I had my iPod, and I'm a big third day fan. Most of you probably know. I was by myself listening on my iPod to the song King of Glory. It was as this full moon was rising over the mountain. And I'm standing out in the middle of the street, of the road there, by myself. Most of you know I'm a nature enthusiast, so music and nature, when they combine, I, it's like, it's, it's crazy for me. But I'm there just lifting my hands, and there's a, a line in there. It says, Lord of my heart. Lord of my heart. And I was singing that to the top of my lungs as the moon began to light over the top of me. And I looked at this Palm Sunday, 2011. A year later, we would be headed this direction to renovation. So as I read that, I thought, wow, that's, that's awesome. Well, then this morning, I picked up Seek God for the City. Opened it up in the first line, and many of you have already done. Who is this King of Glory? First words. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of Glory. And as Jeff and I, and this is, and I'd already told Josiah and him, and as Jeff and I were in the office there just a little bit ago, I get my verse of the day from you version. What does it say? Who is this king of glory? Three in one day? Many people say, well, that's a coincidence. I say coincidence happens more often when I pray. So that's what we're going to do. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup and the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I love the way that Paul even ends that. And go ahead, if you would, get your elements ready. Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As I said last week, Jesus was there in the beginning. He is there in the present. And he will be there in the end. And he is coming again. But Paul's saying, until he does, let's do this together. So if you would now, please take the bread and let us eat together. If you would take your juice or whatever you have. Please now, the juice, take the juice and let us drink together. Lord, we have come today knowing that this holy week, the weighty week, Friday will come as it did for you. But Sunday was coming. You are the light of our world. You are the king of glory. You are the Lord of hosts. Lord, let us be found faithful for the generations, for this generation, that your church was watchful. Your church was on alert. We were prayerful. Amen, we were thankful. Lord, help us now as we sing a little bit more. But Lord, thank you for these moments. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let us sing.